Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Microphone on. Hey, welcome. What a big weekend we had. I, yeah, baby. I am all tanned up. Went down to Florida and had a great time with the American Wall Zone people, a fantastic company out of Alabama. 11 stores, 10 in Alabama, one in Panama City. A couple of my high school boys joined me, did a little speech on Friday night for the fellas at Wall Zone. Next thing you know, Saturday, played 50 holes of golf, forgot to wear a hat. That's dumb. In Florida, Panama City, and then Sunday, gave him another little speech. And here we are. Don't at me, people. Um, before we get into what I think was the biggest story of the weekend, college basketball, I got to tell you, man, like I know there are shows in the morning that every day are going to ask you whether Mike McCarthy should be fired. I know there are shows that are debating right now whether Dak Prescott's good or Dak Prescott's bad. What dump did LeBron James take this morning or last night? But I am for maybe the first time ever, going to open real quick with LeBron James and the Lakers. My God, are they terrible. 123.95. I actually was on a plane last night, and I'm watching this slop. They don't care. Russell Westbrook, my ass. I've always said that about Russell Westbrook, my ass. There is a saying in coaching, and those of you that listen to my shows understand and know what I'm about to say. Good enough to get you fired. All the guys on all the networks can tell you about Russell Westbrook's triple doubles. And he goes so fast. They're, ESPN's number one basketball uh, uh, NBA commentator told me how great this guy was. I did a game. I'm like, really, huh? If he's good enough to get you fired, that's about it. LeBron good enough to win you a championship. Russell Westbrook, my ass. And the greatest nickname ever, Charles Barkley put on Antonio, or whatever his name is, Anthony Davis, street clothes. (laughs) Street clothes was, guess what? In street clothes. Stays in street clothes. Russell Westbrook, my God, is that team bad? Uh, Also, before we get into it, this just broke. Or maybe I just saw it this morning. Do you know the name Kyler Murray? You know who I'm talking about, the quarterback of the Cardinals? He might have the dumbest agent alive. In fact, I would argue that he does have the dumbest agent alive. Hey, um, Dylan, can we put up, I don't expect you to read this thing because it's so long and so stupid, uh, you know. Um, but his agent put out this, this long statement about, how Kyler Murray is the greatest thing ever, and you all need to commit to him if you are the Arizona Cardinals. The statement is unbelievable. This guy, Eric Burkhart, if Kyler Murray has any stones at all or a brain, he will fire this guy immediately. And if Kyler Murray signed off on this, then he can't be a leader of nothing. He can't lead wild turkeys to take a dump. 
That's how stupid this thing is. This thing goes into everything from how great he is to how the organization's not any good to how he built, all in the third person. I think there's some spelling errors in there, but really I couldn't go all third grade Sister Geraldine of St. Peter and Paul and go through the whole thing with a fine tooth comb. It was that stupid. Now, all your guys on all the networks, because, well, you know, we defend to the end, probably aren't going to say how stupid this thing is. But in the history of agents and statements, this might be the dumbest one I have ever seen. It, it just might. Because, listen, you're the quarterback, right? Isn't Kyler Murray the quarterback? I think he is. You're the leader, right? And you can't put out a statement from you. This has to be from some clown named Eric something. Whoever the hell Eric something is, the agent. It infuriates me how stupid people are. It does. If I were one of his teammates with the Cardinals, now players don't do this, but I'd be like, dude, you you need to go. Let's get someone in here with some balls. Let's get someone in here with some sack. Um, Don't at me about it either. I mean, if you think that's decent, that's a thing. You're out of your freaking mind. This is the dumbest thing that I have ever seen in my life from an agent. Probably seen dumber. I just can't remember. My God, is this stupid. In fact, this is so stupid that I feel stupid commenting on how stupid it is. Jeez. I should really run the world. I, really, I mean, I, I'm, here's what I would do, okay? I'd put Clay in charge of policy and stuff, uh, and then I'd just run the world. Hey, Dan, uh, here's what we need to do. No, no, that's stupid. No, hey, Dan, here, no, 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 no. That's dumb, too. No, no. If I were Kyler Murray's teammate, and I was an adult, I wasn't one of these children trying to run around and play football and tell you, You know, only God can judge me. I'm a man and all the other crap that people say. I'd have a problem. There's no way I could listen to this crap. Again, if I was an adult. All right. College, I'm telling you. Anybody. Now, maybe it'll change. But anybody that tells you the Lakers are worth a damn, out of their mind. Smartest guy on OutKick other than Clay? Gary Sheffield Jr. Gary Sheffield Jr. told you how bad Russell Westbrook is. Everybody at ESPN, well, Russ. Man, I'll never forget listening, uh, whatever. Anyway, um, let's talk some college hoops. Let me go through this with you. There is two threads, two of them, through why the top six teams in college basketball all lost over the weekend. One of them is, ah, they're road games against good teams. And they are. St. Mary's, beat Gonzaga, good team. Colorado, good team. Beat Arizona. Tennessee, beat Auburn, good team. Michigan State, okay team, can play. We know Izzo, good team. Baylor, good team, man. Started the season out house of fire. Then, of course, Arkansas, I told you last week. You want an upset special? Bud Walton Arena was nuts. Kentucky came in. It was insane. All right. That's one. 
That's one common denominator. And we're going to talk to Doug Gottlieb at 10 o'clock. He's the best there is at talking about college hoops. There are very few people I listen to about college hoops. He's one. But let me give you another thread. All of a sudden, out of the blue, not sure why, defense, baby. Defense rules. We're not allowed to say that, are we? Aren't we supposed to talk about three-point shooting? Aren't we supposed to talk about how much money players are making? Aren't we supposed to not worry about the game because all the little media that runs around college basketball says everybody's exploited? They don't have student debt. You do. But that's all right. They're exploited because they can throw a ball in a bucket in front of an average of 5,000 fans. I digress. College basketball decided this weekend, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We're going to play a little defense, let me tell you. So let's start with St. Mary's and Gonzaga. St. Mary's is a good team. St. Mary's is always a good team. Randy Bennett's a really good coach. A lot of people don't know Randy Bennett. Randy Bennett can coach. Randy Bennett is a tough coach. Randy Bennett's team beat him 67-57, to beat Gonzaga. Do you know how many points Gonzaga was averaging? 88.3. 88 points a game in a college basketball game is like 125 in an NBA game. Here's the deal. Now, I want you to know this. Back in the day, when Bob Knight and Mike Krzyzewski were, were rolling 80s, that kind of thing, and, and K's still rolling, the goal for the team defensively was to give up less than 65 points. That's without a shot clock, and that's without a three-point line. So if you played good defense, you gave under up under 65 points. Well, now with a shot clock, three-point line, everybody can shoot jump shot. Teams score 88, 85, 89. Listen to this. Gonzaga averaging 88.3 points a game against St. Mary's. Now, St. Mary's is not exactly the 91 UNLV squad. They're good. Couldn't get the 60. Clank here, clank there, turnover. Couldn't get the 60. Now, I don't know if that's great defense, just horse bleep performance by Gonzaga, probably a little bit of both, but I know this. I know St. Mary's will guard you, and I know Gonzaga can usually outshoot you they didn't know. This is a threat. Let me go to the next one. Do you know that Arizona averages 84 points a game? Remember my magic number, 65 here, without a shot clock and without a three-point line. So what, is, uh, what does Colorado do? At home, great crowd. Next thing you know, really not a game. Arizona gets what? They don't get the 65. Dan, what made 65 special? I don't know. You pretty much figure these guys are college basketball players at the highest level outside the NBA. They ought to be able to score 65 points in 40 minutes. But defense ruled the day on Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, home court and defense. So here's Arizona. They're averaging 80, 84. They can't get to 65. Let's go to the next team, Auburn. Auburn's averaging 79 points a game. Couldn't get to 65. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am old enough to understand that the era that I am talking about to get to 65 points is the 80s. I understand that's at minimum 32 years, 89, 33 years. And you can't, you can't get to 60? Defense wins. You can talk about it. You can be mad about it. You can say whatever. But on this particular Saturday, home court and defense, Purdue's averaging 82 82 points a game. That's two points a minute in college basketball game. 40-minute game. No math major, but that's what it is. Purdue gets 65. Purdue, I think, has a number one pick in the draft. Purdue has the best combination of bigs. Maybe, just maybe, Gonzaga's better 
But if Drew Timmy's going to go like 2 of 14 like he did the other day, not so much. But think about that. So here's Purdue, right? They're averaging 80. Defense won the weekend. Kansas averages 80. Got 70. UK averages 80. Got 73. 73 is like a freaking onslaught of scoring. But defense did it this weekend. I'm watching teams. The crowd's got them hepped up. And here's the deal with defense. Here's what you need to watch when you watch college basketball. Watch. I've told you this before. Who's getting better shots? Who's getting better shots? If I had access to my DraftKings account, which I didn't, uh, down in Florida, I would have bet all day long after the first five minutes of the game when I got a sense on Illinois beating uh, Michigan yesterday because Michigan got terrible shots. Illinois was getting (laughs) really good shots. What makes a good shot? Here's what makes a good shot. Once the defender, if the defender can continually, continually from five spots, keep his man in front of him, bad shots are coming for the offense, and that's what we saw. It wasn't like I didn't feel like anyway. It wasn't like you saw teams missing, 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 missing. It wasn't like that. In fact, I'll give you a bit of the converse. Indiana went into Minnesota yesterday, got up 27, but I'm watching the game and I'm going, damn, Minnesota's got great looks. They got great looks. They can't make nothing. About eight minutes ago, Indiana's up 27. All of a sudden, those great looks started going in. It got a little sexy. It got down to five. I'm telling you, if you continually get great shots during the course of a game, even if you get down, and you keep your man between you, you between your man and the basket, when he's got the basketball, you're going to be in shape. And that's exactly what happened this weekend. It is. It's exactly what happened. And it was fascinating. You know, it might have been the best college basketball weekend, regular season ever, because I'll tell you why. College basketball has been around for a long, long, long time, obviously. Do you know, do you know that college basketball never had its top six teams lose on the same day? Never. Not one time. Not ever. Did they have them all lose on the same day? Boom. And they all lost on the road. I'm telling you, it is going to be an interesting, very interesting NCAA tournament. And I'm also going to tell you, I think, take mark my word, these really good teams that we think and we talk about and we say have to be in, uh, in uh, they're all number one seeds. They're the great. No, 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 no. A mid-major, I think, will get to the NCAA Final four. Minimum uh, lead eight. Now, that's not a big stretch. We just saw Loyola do it a couple years ago. That's not a great stretch. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not Karnak here. But I will tell you, don't, 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 don't be surprised. Because these teams are good. They're good. But they ain't dominant. And they ain't great. Anybody's going to beat anybody, and that includes mid-majors. Don't at me, people. All right, let's talk about a couple of things uh, that went on over the weekend, non-college basketball division. Number one, Sean McVay. Sean McVay committed, or at least he says he committed, to going back to and committing to the Rams. He does not right now want to look at a broadcasting career. Now, a lot of you say, well, 
why would he go into broadcasting? Well, did you see what Tony Rome, or excuse me, did you see what Troy Aikman just signed for with ESPN? Apparently 90 million. You know, I go back as long as you want to go back. Al McGuire won national championship in 79, got out and went and became a broadcaster. Frank Broyles did the same thing. Bob Knight was going to in 1981, and then a, a player of, of, of ours, Landon Turner, got in a car wreck. He was going to CBS. John Madden, we just celebrated his life. Hell, he quit at 40. It's not outside the realm of possibility for someone to be smart enough to do this. Coaching is a bitch. Coaching is a grind. And coaching is changing. And Sean McVay, pretty smart to at least court. Think about going into broadcasting. He'd probably be terrific. I don't know. Seems like he's not afraid to get in front of the camera. I mean, he does commercials and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, I'm glad a guy like Sean McVay is staying in the NFL. He makes it more fun. I don't say that about very many coaches. But to me, and this is why, Sean McVay, when he was a young guy, literally went and got coffee for a bunch of older guys, Gruden, Rick Venturi, a bunch of guys that would just sit around in the summertime and grind out football, just grind it out. They did it, they loved it, and McVay was kind of a young savant. Think the guy in uh, a Bronx tale. Remember the guy in a Bronx tale? I think it was a Bronx tale. The guy, or, or half sack. <laughs> half sack in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, that's who McVay was. Just around learning. Well, they all knew he was a savant. They all knew he was brilliant, so guess what? He is, he won and now he's got options. Good for him for staying, though. I think at some point, I think there are only a few guys that raise the level of others in coaching or playing or certainly in agents, and McVeigh's one of them. Let me ask you a question, and I'm really curious about this. There's a couple hundred of you watching on our YouTube channel. There'll be about 20,000 of you um, by the time, 20, 25,000 views on this. But I am curious about this. Those of you, excuse me, that was on our, on our Twitter channel, on our YouTube channel. I'm really curious about this. I had this conversation over the weekend. What would you do, you, what would you do if you were in charge of the overtime rule in the NFL? What would you do? Everybody says the overtime rule in the NFL stinks. So I got KJ, I got Sean Black, I got Van Pasterman, I got Ed Rogers, uh, I got a bunch, Mudcat, Ash Davis, I got a bunch of you here, Dave Carell, Brian Smith, Coop, I got a bunch of you on here, I got our YouTube guy, or our OutKick guys, what would you do if you could make the rules for NFL overtime? Like, I don't know. I wouldn't keep it the same way. That would be option number two. I think I would, and I know we all want to give NFL, NBA, and Major League, not necessarily Major League Baseball player, but we want to give NFL and NBA players, we want to just give them their money and not make them play. Like NBA guys don't even have to play anymore, right? Hey, load management, I'm tired. Yeah, my ass is tired. But what would you do? I've really given this some thought, and I'm not 100% sure. I, I am not 100% sure I know what I would do. Frank Rago, Ed Rogers, Jim Reed say go to the college rule. I'm kind of for that. 
but I'm not for a two-point conversion after the first couple overtimes. A couple people say no overtimes. Yeah, I got to have overtime. I have to have overtime. I I don't want to go home. Why wouldn't I want overtime? But I don't know what the hell I would do. Now, here's the deal. There are a bunch of proposals here in Indianapolis this week because this week is the combine. Starts today. Guys are getting in, I guess, tomorrow. But you tell me, what would you do? Like, would you play one quarter? Like a 10-minute quarter, both teams would at least get the football. But that would mean they would hit. And we can't have guys hit. I don't even understand. Look, if you're going to play a football game, you play the football game. You know, what do you want to do? Have kickers go? Start at the 30. That's a 40-yard field goal. Kicker makes it. Now you got to make it. Now go to the 35. Your kicker makes it. Now I got to make it. Now go to the 40. I make it. Then you, No. I want that. Start at the 10. Play it in from there. I don't know. What would you do? It is an interesting question because I'm telling you, I feel like everybody wants, everybody, everybody wants to have an answer. Everybody wants to bitch about what the overtime rule is, but what would you do? I'm going to ask Jonathan Hutton that coming up. So, Jonathan, if you're watching, it's not in a script that I sent you, but I do want to hear your opinion on it. I'm going to ask Gottlieb, too, because I don't know. I honestly don't know what I would want to do. I'm not mad at the college rule. I like the college rule. I feel like people bitch about the college rule. You know why? That's right. Because people like to bitch. All right? The deadline to save MLB is today, apparently. Danny Plezak came on our show on Friday or Thursday and told us that. And all of a sudden, I'm opening up. My, my newspaper, I was going to say my newspaper, but I'm all of a sudden I'm opening up and next thing you know, they're saying it, right? They're saying, hey, deadline today or else you're going to have to not lose the season. Don't get me wrong with that. Not lose the season, but lose the start of the season. Now, I know Sean Black lives in Cleveland. I grew up in Northwest Indiana. I've said it a million times. Wrigley, Comiskey. Comiskey, about 30, 35 minutes away. Wrigley up north, depending on traffic, almost an hour, depending on traffic. Opening day, there was always a debate. I had an older brother. He had a car a couple years before me. Always a debate. Should we skip school and go to opening day? Hmm. I never, ever did it. Let me go back to something. Sean Black. Have each team one possession starting at the 50, can't kick a field goal, touchdown, or bust. You know what they'll say? Too many many plays. How about you just don't have guys play? Just pay them money and put some fake games on TV. I'm with you, Sean. That's a pretty good idea. In fact, that's a damn good idea right there. That's why he's the president, ladies and gentlemen. That's why he's the president. El Presidente comes through. He leads men. He doesn't have an agent do it for him. He's not Kyler Murray. But anyway, so today is a deadline. Now, they met and met and met, and by all accounts, what came out of the meetings, the Players Association and Major League Baseball, wasn't great. wasn't horrible, but wasn't great. Didn't look like it's going to get it done. But I cannot believe that Major League Baseball, given the state that it's in, will let this slide to lose opening day. Opening day is a big deal. It's a big deal. You always had to make the decision. 
Nah, I can't. My brother skipped school after he was told by Father Schwenzer that if he skipped school, he wouldn't graduate. Nah, screw it. Became a lawyer. Multi-gazillionaire, my brother, my idol. LeBron clears the air about being committed to L.A. That's for other shows. You want to know the size of LeBron's dump? There's a show right now on cable that'll tell you. You want to know whether Mike McCarthy, who hasn't coached a game in two months, should be fired or not? There's a show. You want to know whether Dak Prescott's great, not great? There's other shows. LeBron cleared the air because LeBron screwed up. LeBron started talking about going to Cleveland. LeBron started talking about wanting to play with Bronny. LeBron did the things that really he's entitled to do. I got no problem with LeBron is entitled to do whatever the hell he wants. He's basically made the league here. But I got to tell you, when you do that in the middle of a tough season, your teammates don't want to hear it. Your ownership doesn't want to hear it. Your general manager doesn't want to hear it. I don't give a damn how great you are. So he had to clear it up. I'm committed to L.A., blah, 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 blah. All right. Isn't it amazing? Like the drama, and I don't even know if it's LeBron causing the drama, but there's always drama. And it's not the tough kind of drama. It's the soft kind of drama. As a good friend of mine used to say, soft. You soft. Anyway, this is interesting. I did not know this. You all knew it. I did not. Dennis Dodd is reporting. Well, it's not reporting. It's fact. College football attendance in a tweet, has hit a 40-year low. Down for the seventh straight season. Nine out of the last ten. The SEC's attendance, lowest since 99. ACC attendance, lowest in more than 30 years. Pac-12 attendance, lowest ever. Now, he's saying it's not just COVID and it's not just 70-inch TVs. I got to tell you, I could be wrong. I think people are tired. I I think normal people, like I consider myself a normal person. I think we're tired of reading about these poor kids that aren't getting nothing. Well, your daughter, my daughter, my son, your son is paying a shit ton of money to go to college. And all we read about or all we hear about The NCAA sucks. We got to pay guys more money. Money, 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 blah, blah. And I think the normal fan is like, yeah, okay. I was watching on TV, or I won't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm sure I am, and I'm sure there's some smart guy. But I, I talk to a lot of people all day long about sports. And I get the general feeling. Like, if you took out Pools, brackets, which can't, and gambling, the NCAA tournament as a viewership thing would go way down. I got so many people that tell me, Dan, I'm sure I'm on the wrong side of this. But I'm just tired of hearing about everybody that gets a free education, that gets free college, that gets free this, free that, free this, free everything. I'm just tired of hearing about how they're exploited. And I'm paying off my daughter's student loans. I think a lot of people are getting that way. Now, does that mean they're not watching on TV? I assume they are. But it's also, ladies and gentlemen, it's a ton of work to go to a college football game. It's fun. But, man, it's like six hours of your life 
I mean, the game, that dude in the red, orange, you know, gloves that stops the game and does all that stuff, he makes my ass sag. He does, man. He, I, I, truthfully, it's the reason I stopped my season tickets going to the Colts game. Too many stoppages. Too much time in between. It is. I mean, I would sit there and go, God dang, there's no momentum in this game when you're there. Now, the NFL is a great product, but I'm not surprised at all. I think ratings will stay up. I think people love to watch. It's a fantastic sport to watch, college football is. But going to the game, I'm telling you, man, I think people are just tired. Like, I got guys hit me up all the time. Well, you know, we've got this fund for Indiana University student-athletes to get paid. I'm like, good. We'd really like your participation. No. No. I watched last night, all right? If I were going to pay somebody, here's who I would pay in college sports. Yesterday, I caught a flight, Panama City to Atlanta. Sitting, waiting at the gate for Atlanta to Indianapolis. It's the flight. All of a sudden, here comes the Indiana University softball team. And these women are awesome. Damn near every one of them is on a damn laptop doing homework. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, we're going to fly to Indy. I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to go, after I get my bags, I'm going to drive about a half hour home. These young ladies are going to get in a bus after 20 or 30 of them gets their bags, you know how long that takes? Get in a bus, drive back to Bloomington to their stadium where their cars are. Now, it's already, uh, I think it was 1 o'clock in the morning, 12.30. Get in their cars, go home, unpack, get their stuff, and be a class in the morning. I pay those women. Basketball team at Indiana plays against Minnesota. They get on a private plane. They fly into Bloomington Airport. It's a 20-minute ride back to the Assembly Hall. The women of Indiana softball, I salute you. You are freaking awesome. These other guys, you just get tired of it. I'm sorry. I know we're not supposed to. It's probably some kind of ist, but you just get tired. I'll ask Jonathan Hutton about what he thinks the overtime rules. I love talking to Jonathan. It is. Don't hit me, ladies and gentlemen. Stick it right. Stay right here. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know... Uh, and you'll appreciate this, Jonathan. The Indy Star came at me again, and I didn't know I worked <laughs> for you. I didn't know I worked for Outkick 360. They, I, I don't mind it. I want to. But my boss, Jonathan Hutton, nice <laughs> enough to join us. Thank you for being nice enough to join us. Dan, good to see you, man. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Indy Star gets everything right that they write about you. So, in this case, welcome aboard, sir. Welcome Jesus. aboard. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I wasn't really planning on talking to you about this, but I um, Indianapolis Colts put a proposal. I guess you're going to talk about it at the Combine starting today when everybody gets in there throughout the week here in Indy about overtime in the NFL. What are your thoughts on it? Look, I, I like what the Colts have proposed here, which is just the basic at its core 
every team gets a possession, no matter if you score first on a touchdown or not. I, I like that. I want them to get back to 15 minutes instead of the 10-minute the overtime because now a, a, a five- or six-minute possession that can end in a field goal leaves another team with a long field and a long drive to go and get that, too. And then by the time you have two possessions, if no team scores, the third possession most likely ends in no score or a long field goal attempt and you end in a tie. I just want them to get back to 15. I, I'm all for both teams being guaranteed that possession. And, and it, I think it should be that way for the regular season and the postseason. Although it, it sounds like if this gets passed through, it's going to be postseason only. And it takes 24 owners to, to vote this through, Dan. So, look, I, I think it's unlikely um, that we see it in the regular season. It, it's a benefit for the postseason. I'll take what I can get here. But at its core, the rule right now is unfair. And it goes beyond just KC and Buffalo in, in, in the playoffs, uh, at least for me. And, and let's put something else to rest, too. The, the overtime rules, what you're going to hear is that the current ones are, are based on the health and safety of the players. They just added a full game to their regular season. They just added <laughs> two more playoff teams to their postseason. And they're going to talk about how a team that can't get a possession because another team scores a touchdown and to begin overtime is for the health and safety and well-being of their players. Give me a break. It's not about that at all. This is about TV. This is about making sure that their games end in three hours and eight minutes to three hours and 15 minutes. It's about playing the full 60. And by full 60, I mean benefiting teams that can end in regulation and also benefiting CBS to get to 60 minutes on time, which is also Sunday nights whenever they have a doubleheader. So I think all of this plays in. They're not going to say it's all about TV. They're not going to say it's all about ending games early so they can get to the next one. But, I mean, this is also a league, Dan, that as soon as the Super Bowl was over, they rushed to make sure that they got to the, the Olympic Games on NBC instead of actually staying with post-game post coverage. They can't get out of these games fast enough. And because of that, I'm, I'm hesitant to say they're going to change anything. Well, the reason, obviously, you get a bump for what's next, right? I mean, you get this huge bump because everybody watches the NFL. So, hey, look, we got this. You know, let, let's go to Murder, She Wrote next, right, to get a bump for Murder, She Wrote. That's kind of the deal, no? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I think it's it's about, how, you know, make, getting the doubleheader in. But, but at the same time, they've got to hear the backlash of Kansas City Buffalo. And they've got to look at the overtime rules of the postseason and think, man, what could that game have ended up being had Josh Allen had a possession? Because that game, as good as it was, was decided on a coin flip. And at the core of the game itself, you can't look at that matchup as great as it was and think it was decided fairly. And, and because of that, they've got to tweak the postseason a bit to make sure that both of your quarterbacks, a league that's built on quarterbacks, the rules are built on quarterbacks, that both of these guys have a chance to go out and make big plays and highlight real moments and turn an epic game into one of the best ever. It already was, but the conclusion felt empty, even though uh, a really good team advanced to the AFC championship game. I, I think they'll change and tweak the postseason a bit. 
but I doubt that anything coming to the regular season is, is fast and swift. You know, Urban Meyer, when he was on with us a few times, he said, Dan, I'm just telling you, they're changing that. And they're changing it so that both quarterbacks can get to football. Would you be for something like, okay, we're playing a 10-minute, we're playing a 10-minute quarter? You know, if, I mean, if you play another quarter, then obviously people are going to complain. But uh, we're playing a 10-minute quarter here. That's what we're playing. Flip it. Let's go. And, you keep the ball for 10 minutes, kick a field goal. God bless you. Go ahead. And and, and if it's tied, it's just a tie, right? Like, like that's the idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that, too. That's what um, they do now, I, I'm right? I'm not against games ending in a sudden death situation after both teams have the possession. I, I think that that that's okay. Um because I'm also not not one that enjoys these 14 to 19 any Major League Baseball games, but I also I also like the fact that Major League Baseball has a game that ends with a decided winner and loser. I'm not for ties, you know. Pittsburgh though, Pittsburgh got into the postseason because they tied with Detroit, and Indy was left out because they lost to Jacksonville, and so the tie is better than the loss. But I, I don't like settling for ties. I, I don't like the, the, the idea of, of teams going into a game, see, looking up at the clock and saying, you know what, we're, we, we've got final possession here a minute and a half. We're going to sit on this football. We're going to try to get in the field goal range, um, a, a long field goal range at that, and, and attempt a game-winning kick. And you know what, if we miss, it's still better than a loss. I, I just don't, I don't buy the idea that that's a good – um, uh, protocol, a, a good idea, uh, mindset to take into a game. I want a decided winner and a loser. Hockey's got it set up really well where you have the shootout and it's exciting. I don't think that the NFL needs to manufacture something like that. I don't want to have this discussion about, uh, oh, maybe we should have the, the kickoff where you have the, the two kickers decide this game. No, I want it to be football. Um, but I also want it to be played as you would the normal one through four quarters to decide a winner. And if you can't, at, at, at last result, come up with the tie. That, that, that's what I'm saying. It, it could end in a tie, but that's not where uh, my, my rules would be set up to reach. I think right now it's almost incentivizing, especially with the 10-minute quarter, uh, it's incentivizing teams taking it in at 17 all. Hey, you're, you're, you're the perfect guy to ask this. All right, this is totally off script. Dylan, and I apologize. Why do you think attendance in college football, according to Dennis Dodd and what he wrote the other day, is so down across the board? It's not SEC. It's everyone. Well, look, I, I can – I'm, I'm going to text Dylan right now real quick. Um, look, attendance in college football, I think it's very difficult – um, now, and this is NFL and college, Dan. I think it's very difficult to sell the upper decks across the game. I think that's the toughest ticket in sports uh, based on the way that uh, um, it, you can sell tickets and, and, and also sell the fact you can stay at home and, and see a better view of the game and, and take in the entire college atmosphere. Um, that being said, there's some bad football being played on Saturdays on a weekly basis. And, and I, I don't blame fans who decide to stay home and flip through channels to watch better football games than go to their non-Power 5 schools, the group of five schools, um, and, and watch, watch games that they feel like aren't really leading to very much. Um, I, I think this is 
This plays a factor into the argument against the college football playoff. I love the playoff. I want to see the playoff expand. But the playoff, it's playoff or bust. And I think the bowls have less impact, and the goal of getting there has less of an impact now on fan bases. The SEC is in and of itself, right? We, we slide that off to the side. In totality, it's not like we hype up a lot of college football games on a weekly basis other than the Power Five conferences and the group at the very top. And they're so spread out now, um, not just on Saturday, but through the week. Um, I think all that plays a factor, Dan. You know, it, it, it is interesting because according to Dodd, it's across the board. It's it's the SEC. It's it's, I mean, it's everything. Every one of these places is is down. And I, I agree. I, I think the upper deck is hard. But man, I got to tell you, I'd go. I, I think a college and pro football game is a lot of work for a family on a weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot well, of work. that and it's it's a going, long game. Doubling up and going to an NFL game, you know, and, and ticket prices for the most part, should be relatively the same for college football games. I mean, here locally for me, MTSU, Middle Tennessee would beg fans to come out. You can bring a ticket to another game and get in for free. I mean, it's it's not like, uh, you know, they're, they're charging an arm and a leg to go attend these games. Um, but it is, a, in some cases, it can be an all-day event. And I, I think uh, there, are, there are a lot of earlier kickoffs, too. We were on this tour. You were out early with me in Tuscaloosa um myself and chad and jill savage and i mean look no one's getting up at eight o'clock in the morning to come tailgate anymore right like that 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 day is is meant for later in the afternoon to early evening i think those are your prime time windows and if you miss those you're probably missing out on a few thousand people we're going to take a break clean this audio up and we we will be right back with chad hang in right here we'll just get this cleaned up Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm really, we're jumping around here, but man, we got the man here. He knows everything, Jonathan Hutton does. You just know everything. No. All right, let me go to what I was going to talk to you about. Your boys at Tennessee, big win this weekend. How good are they? You know, I, I've debated this with Withrow throughout the, throughout the season. I, right now, I think they're second weekend good. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I, I think they're okay. I do. I think they're second weekend good. And, Earlier this year, I would have told you they're going to struggle to get out of the first weekend. And a few reasons for that now, how, how that's changed. The key for me is um, while they're not – why I don't see them going as far as some others may be hyping them up. They're, they are really good at home, and there's a bit of a split personality with this team. And so I, I think we – I'm judging my answer here based on how I've – seen them play recently at Thompson Bowling Arena and as I sit here talking with you they played uh, they're a different team when they're not at home um, but they're unbeaten at home with wins over Auburn and they've got a win over Arizona went over Kentucky I mean they're good um, they still got Arkansas coming up and then you've got Tennessee's lowest moments this season 
they've been physically the, the lesser team on the road and on neutral courts. Uh, in those settings, they've lost to Villanova and Arkansas and Kentucky and Texas and uh, Texas Tech and others. Look, I, I think they're they're good. They're not great. Are they good enough to win two games in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think they are because I, I think they've got some players that can really get after you. Um, Saturday, they shot just 32%, and I think that shows their limitations. And, and Auburn's defense is really good to great but they still have to struggle. It still need to be better. They have to be better after they struggle. They've got Fulkerson who shot two of eight. Uh, Ziegler was like two for 10 or two for nine. Um, James has struggled. Other than Chandler, there's no one that's really consistent on a nightly basis. And so for that, Dan, I say they're good. I think they're second, second weekend type good. But beyond that, I'm not, I'm not real sure. I, I love Rick Barnes. I love what he's about. Um, and I love how, you know, they, this team fights and scratches and claws, and I love their guard play. But there, there's a lot of things we could just toss up in the air with this college basketball season. And, and a lot of that are, are, are good points and, and factors as to why this tournament's going to be awesome. Man, I agree. All right, our combine is this week. If you were a general manager, how much stock would you put into a combine? What would um, you balance? It would be a tough balance for me. Um, I, I, I want to say that it's important and some people laugh at, uh, you know, guys, you know, work, workout warriors versus guys who are just straight football players. But I think you, as a general manager, you, you would have to treat the combine as valuable information because it's a dedicated place for teams to make their evaluations and assessments on players and specifically those medical evaluations. I think those are crucial, um, this time of year. It gives teams an idea of what these guys are like in person. Um, and yes, they have the 30 visits that they can have. But an example would be Vrabel told us a story a couple of years ago at the combine of a guy as they're making the rounds, you know, they're doing the, the car wash with these guys. And he, he was trying to get to know him a little bit. And so he asked, you know, what, what's your mentality? What's your mentality on the field? And a guy was like, I'm aggressive. And he said it like that, like very meek and, you know, just a, a low tone of voice. You're aggressive. Like you're, you're not even aggressive in your answer. And, I, and he immediately just removed him from the board altogether. Um, but actual drills, though, I'm, I, I think they give you an idea of athleticism and, and top end speed, elite speed, because every player is judged on the same exact drill in the same exact conditions. But. Other than that, I, I think a lot of what happens on TV, we go back to the film on that as a GM. If I'm if I'm running the team, you're going back to the film, and then you're integrating the the extracurriculars that you learn behind the scenes in Indianapolis with the medical and with the face to face. Although a lot of these guys now are so well trained by their agents and and reps and these groups of people where these guys are a part of 20 to 25 uh, people behind the scenes that they bring to Indianapolis as part of the agency that they're, that they're signed with. It's hard to get to know them because I, I do feel like they're very rehearsed, but it's uh, it's a necessary evil. Let's put it that way, because otherwise you're left like we were in 2020 where it's more, more or less a zoom call. And, and we all know how that goes. what do you think of Kyler Murray and the statement his agent put out today? I mean, to that point. It's it, it, to me, it's crazy. 
but based on what we've seen from him and the Arizona Cardinals, uh, more or less saying, hey, you know, Kyler's committed as long as this team's committed. Well, I mean, Kyler needs to win. And I understand Cliff Kingsbury does too, but this guy's the number one overall pick. We watched him walk across the stage in, on Broadway in Nashville as the number one overall pick in football. Um, you know, their number one overall, I mean, did, did Matthew Stafford's agent ever cry like this about getting a new contract or did they just negotiate behind the scenes? I, they're, they're, it's, it's very bizarre how they're doing this through public per- perception, Dan, because I, uh, I like Kyler Murray. I don't love Kyler Murray. And I think I feel like the Arizona Cardinals. And I think most people would tell you that's what they would say about Kyler Murray. Um, there have been some really great moments. And then some of these trapeze acts where he gets himself in trouble as much as he does win a game for them. And um, it, that, it, you draft number one overall or anywhere in the first round, the expectation is you're going to get a fifth-year option picked up on you. And I think you'll get that. But he's going into year four. They'll lock in the fifth-year option this year, and then they'll try to negotiate. But, I mean, Joe Burrow, after year three, would be getting a contract extension. Kyler Murray's not, to me, a guy that you put a ton of money into right now. You, you have a prove-it year. And that's not to mean that he's been really bad either. It's just you need to see more to get the franchise-type money that he's going to be asking for. And right now is not the time for that extension. I would have a hard time if I – I said this earlier. I'd have a hard time if I played with him reading yeah. that crap. I, I just would. I mean, if you, you know, don't you think – and, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I always think an NFL quarterback – you know, I don't know what the what the word ultimate leader means, but it seems like you've got to be a guy that leads every moment of every day. It's just the way the NFL is built. That that that's I don't know, Jonathan. That's how it seems to me. And this doesn't look like leadership to me. This looks like crap. How hard me. is it to pick up a phone and call someone? And this, this is, by the way, is the um, is the weekend after you had the bid. Michael Bidwell came out and said that they spoke and everything was good. So I don't. I don't know if this is a little gamesmanship on the agent's part or not, but I can't imagine. I mean, well, actually I can. I mean, it, there, there are a number of media members who reach out to agents looking for comment. And most of the time you either don't get a response or things are played out off the record. You don't release statements like this. And, you know, Murray has, has posted about this on social media after removing the Cardinals from social media, he's posted about, um, how he's not all about this this drama. And then here is the agent putting out a statement more or less saying, hey, we're committed to Arizona. We love Arizona. Does Arizona love us? And uh, I, I don't like the the guys who who need, you know, who, who love love, who need to be loved in order to play it a certain way. I, I want guys who want to go out and prove a point and prove people wrong. And, and I, I just don't get that vibe from him at all. I'm not about that drama. That's exactly right. I'm not, I'm not about this drama. Well, here it is. Out of the blue, here, here is more drama. It's like me saying, hey, you know what? I got a full head of hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you see, but I got a full head of hair. I don't give a damn what you think. I got a full head of hair. Leave me alone. Hey, hey I'll say this, though. The, the quarterbacks right now, they're the ones with the power across the league. They're the only ones, the only position group, based on the, the weak CBA and the NFLPA and how they've negotiated things, um, they're the only ones that can say, you know what, I don't want to be here, get me out of here. 
other than that, I mean, the guys are just locked into the money that they have. And, and for the most part, the, the teams dictate everything. Um, the, the quarterbacks are the ones that can maneuver. The good ones are the ones that can maneuver around and not pick their destination, but, but pick where they don't want to be. If, if Murray doesn't want to be in Arizona, he can be more of a malcontent than this because this is pretty relaxed based on what he could be doing and get himself out of there. Um, you know, that, that would, in, that would take the, the Cardinals getting a haul in return, but you know, if he doesn't want to be there, I don't know why you just don't say it. And th- there are ways to make him more of a sympathetic figure. If you come out and say the Cardinals are mismanaged and they've got a coach that, that screwed, that screwed him in the playoffs, which by the way, I, I do believe that. I don't think that performance against the Rams was as much about Murray as it was about Kingsbury and that, and that game plan, which was just awful on offense against that, that pass rush from LA and, and how they didn't even try to do some things to get the ball out fast or, or in that case, run the football and open some things up for him. Everything was outside and deep, which made no sense to me. Nonetheless, um, there, there are easier ways to go about this than every other week releasing a statement to tell everyone that, it, that, that you're okay. And to me, if everything's fine, you just keep your mouth shut. And the fact that we've seen so many statements from his agent now combined with um, things that he's put on social media or taken off social media and the drama with the, the, the owner talking about it on the radio, the guys just need to get together and talk. I mean, it's not that hard. We, we, we saw McVeigh go to Cabo to talk with Matthew Stafford and a trade happened the week after that. Like guys can, guys can actually speak in person now, despite the, the NFL and their stupid COVID rules for the NFL combine, they'll change them in order to get people and make people happy. And, and because of that, I think Kyler Murray and the Cardinals can actually get together face to face and work something out. I don't think I, I, can you imagine I'm mad. I'm going to run to my Instagram <laughs> account and take down all my Cardinal stuff. Well, imagine. What? Well, how do we well do but it? think about this. Let's go a layer deeper. Imagine being the craved fan that searches for this crap. Like, uh, or, or, or a media member, like someone, right, right. Someone right. had to pick up on the fact that he had scrubbed his account clean and it wasn't like it was like, a, you know, it'd been up for a couple months and someone just happened to notice, like you would have had to have gone through all these photos and decided which ones he had removed or, or which ones he actually had in the first place. I'm not scrolling through dude, social media like this, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's odd. And the whole thing is very odd. But it was, it was, you know, it was timed and it was planned. And look, the way he played in that playoff game, I, I think is a reflection of how all this is going down now this offseason. So while I'm saying it was a Kingsbury game plan, it doesn't look like Murray was very happy in that playoff game either. Um, after, I mean, he was the quarterback of the longest uh, win streak in the league this year. And, and now it's, it's resulted in the same result that we've seen from them over the last three seasons in Arizona. Kingsbury was on the hot seat, um, and that was the talk going into the season. Then they won seven straight to open, and everything seemed to be okay. And then they finished, and you felt like, well, you need to see more. Same thing with Kyler Murray if he wants the, the contract extension. It's that simple, and, and the best quarterbacks understand that. Man, I, I don't. They, they're like between Ben Simmons and Kyler Murray oh. complaining that people criticized him. I, I don't, 
I don't know how they make it through life. It's just so difficult. Anyway, <laughs> hey, man, what you got on the show? Man, we're going to react to what was a great college basketball weekend. At least I think it was because it, yeah. it, it was great. great. And it, it opens up so much uh, for discussion going into the tournament play. So we'll lead with that. We'll get into the NFL Combine. PK is going to be up in Indy, headed up your way uh, starting tomorrow. So we're going to preview the Combine a bit with him. And uh, Chad and I are headed to New York. So um, it should be a fun week. I got the kibosh. I was supposed to go to the combine, but I'm not. A, I don't have a booster shot, so the NFL said no soap to me. So it is what it is, brother. Hey, I appreciate All you, right. man. Thanks. See you. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Thank you. All right. Hey, look, that's Jonathan Hutton. Join him right here, and I'll kick. Uh, I'll kick 360. It's a tremendous show. It's great. I listen every day. I do. Uh, we're gonna come back. Doug Gottlieb and I are gonna do exactly what. Uh, Jonathan said, and that is we are going to talk some college football, or excuse me, some college basketball with the great Doug Gottlieb when we come back. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, when something great happens in college basketball, there are very few people that I listen to. Doug Gottlieb is one of them. Uh, there's very few, actually. Uh, Doug is absolutely one. Hey, uh, boss, I know you're tied up. I know you've got so much going on. What do you think of this weekend's college hoop? It was like a return to normalcy, right? home teams that are, aren't as good as the road teams getting wins. And it, it feels like, feel like college basketball court stormings. I don't know. It, you know, you, you combined everything else and that was the most normal weekend in college, ba- in college basketball since before the pandemic. And by normal, I mean like that's what we're used to, right? We're used to a team. There's no way that pick said team uh, loses on the road to whomever. You know, Kansas owns Baylor. Granted, Baylor won the national championship, but, um, you know, Baylor ends up with a win. Colorado beats Arizona. Like, all of these things feel like a return. St. Mary's takes down Gonzaga. Feels like a return to normalcy, to be honest with you. Every year, every year, St. Mary's is supposed to be the team that competes with Gonzaga. And I swear to God, Doug, I feel like every year – I kind of say St. Mary stinks. I mean, I, don't they're, tell they're, me they're, that they're, they're, they're no, yeah. they got. It, they they definitely is this a different St. Mary's beauty pet? You know, you know how like, you, you know, no. how, like this is the most normal thing anyone who didn't play where you and I played can can uh, even in college. Like sometimes, like you're in layup lines, and you look down, and you're like, no, because every team you play, the the coaches and the scouting report make them out like you're playing. You know, you're playing 72 win right. bulls and you look down the other end of the court, you're like, right. come on, really? And, and St. Mary's this year, they got three dudes with like long hair. Koozie, uh, who's their point guard, who's in a six year, like he has a shaved head. He kind of looks like uh, American History X a little bit, except without the muscles. And you're just like down looking at them you're like, come on. But yeah, they, they, uh, they had a great game plan. Are, are, and they end up winning the game. 
Why did across the board, I documented this, in every single one of these six wins by the home team, they guarded the living hell out of the other team. You know, 73 points was the most any of these teams, these ranked teams, scored. You're talking about teams like Gonzaga that average 88, teams like Purdue that average 80, teams like Arizona that average 82. I mean, what, is defense the new thing now? Are we, are we supposed to look at this defensively now as opposed to just making shots? I think it always was. I think, you know, we went through that, that period for the last couple of years where offensive flow and offensive movement, that's what it was all about. But I, I think that that's come back around. Um, I think also a lot of these teams have older, bigger bodies. I mean, Texas Tech lost, but you know, I, I the, the average age of that of their starting lineup is over twenty three years old. So I think you have older, bigger bodies, um, and I think that the officials have allowed physicality to come back in. Now I don't know if that lasts in the NCAA tournament, but it's kind of been a, a narrative. You when you talk to coaches, you've seen games that these games get really physical. And the St. Mary's-Gonzaga game is the perfect example. St. Mary's wants to play at one place, Gonzaga wants to play at another. And St. Mary's, every time they shot, they dropped five, and they got back defensively. But then they were also allowed to be really physical uh, on, on a, lot of the, a lot of Gonzaga's actions. The, the game was evenly officiated. Gonzaga was able to be equally physical. It's just that style of game, when you have older players, it, it benefits you, you know? And... Um, I think that's that was a big thing this weekend, but it's been a big thing in college basketball that it's been a lot more physical than in the previous five or six years where this push for freedom of movement. I, I think it's I think we've we've uh, was it regressed to the mean? I think we've regressed to the means. Is that a good thing or bad thing for college hoops in your mind? I think it's a good thing because it's real basketball. Uh, I don't know if it's as fun for people to watch, you know, that, that would be, that would be my, my pushback is, you know, Gonzaga and Arizona running up and down scoring a hundred points is more fun. But I do think that from the purest basketball, you know, now it's, it's, it's like a grown man game. And uh, I, I don't, it's probably bad for, uh, for the fan who just wants to see the ball go in the basket, and that's most mainstream fans, and they'll be critical of the game. Well, college players can't make shots. Like, look, it's a lot harder when you got a big old body in between. But I think for those of us who watched and played, it's a lot more like when, seemingly when we played. It's just, it's, it has definitely changed this year, and it feels like um, it, it's, it's, go, it's getting even more. Usually this time of year it gets more physical anyway but it's gotten especially – Right. Of these six teams, all of whom lost, who's the best? Who's the best okay. of these six? Oh, I thought you were going to list them. Um, I still think – I still well, think, I mean, I I, I think Kentucky's want, best is better than everybody else. Uh, um, you know, could, because Sheboy's becoming an offensive player, not just a rebounder. And, and you know, as, as Wheeler gets healthy – and, and maybe, look, I'm biased because I saw him against Kansas and they kicked the living hell out of Kansas. You know, I did that game. I'm in person like, God, nobody's beating them. But I would say I still think that Kentucky and Auburn, they got a little bit more pop. Uh, Auburn with, with Jabari and then with the rim protection. Yeah, their guard's a little schizo. Um, I don't know. I don't think Kansas has 
they're just missing some pieces, right? They're very average at point guard, and and their their bench is is so so. Um, yeah, I would say I would say Kentucky and Auburn still their best is better than everybody else. Do you think do, do, where are you at with Duke? I'm intrigued by. I Duke. mean, they, they, what they did to Syracuse was, I mean, that was a wow. They they literally did, and I know Syracuse is not very good this year, but that was a that was the least competitive matchup between these two coaches, these two programs since Syracuse got in the ACC. Like it was not, it was not even a basketball game. Um, I really like them. You know, I love Mark Williams inside as a rim protector. That's different than what Duke traditionally, you know, Duke takes charges on the inside. Now you have a guy who's a roller and a finisher. Um, I like Paolo. I think he's, he's got that, that special something and that he wants to compete. I'm just, you know, look, there's a cliche for a reason that guards win in March and in the NCAA tournament, and they don't really have a point guard. And, you know, all of them can kind of handle and all of them can play, but they don't really have a point guard or one that they, they trust. And that's the, that's the part that gives me the biggest pause. On the other hand, you know, against the zone, it's not a very good one this year, but it didn't matter who was handling the ball. They got everything they wanted. So, uh, but I, you know, and it's hard also level of play. The ACC is just not as good. And, you know, I was at the Florida state game last week and Florida state was at that time without five starters. Like, what would they actually look like if Florida State was full strength? That's the team they lost to. So I, I I like them. I think they're very talented all around. I think they've, they've finally established roles. But Wendell Moore is not a point guard. And, you know, they have a couple other options, but none of them that they love. And I think that's if, – if they fall early, that's the reason. Are we disappointed in UCLA this year? No, because I was reasonable about what they had. You know, this is look at what happened to Oregon State and to Georgetown, right? Here's two teams. Georgetown wins the Big East tournament. They haven't won a Big East game. Oregon State was 10 and 10 last year in Pac 12 play, 10 and 10, but they won the Pac 12 tournament. So this year, it's like they're not as bad as their record, but I mean, that's why the bottom is falling out. It, the, the tournament gives us an unreal sense of who somebody is. UCLA wasn't that good last year. They just were playing. They started playing great basketball. And remember, they were in the first four. So what, what happens is we right. remember the last game, like, man, they should have beat Gonzaga. Like, yeah, but they could have lost to Michigan State. You know? So I was reasonable about what they had. I also know they've been dealing with some of that, which is um, guys that came back that kind of stepped out of their role. And, you know, they, you hit a couple shots either last year or early in the season. You're in L.A. and you get enough people telling you how great you are. They haven't really guarded in mixed teams. I mean, they always guard. Um, I, I think they're more disappointed in some of these guys than I would be. But, no, I mean, like, look, I, I went to that Nova game to start the year. And I don't think Villanova's great. Obviously, they just an incredible program. And they play well within their system and play incredible together. But – Nobody should have won that game. No, I'm, I'm not. And, and this weekend you lose to Oregon. Like, no, nah, Oregon's a little bit more disappointing than, uh, than UCLA, even though they have a new team. I just I think that what happens is so often we look at what round you lost in and how great a game you lost in the NCAA tournament, assume that everybody comes back and think, okay, well, that's how good they're going to be. 
And one, it's hard for the players to adjust to a, a completely different season where everybody's coming at you. And two, it's hard for us to adjust to. They're just not like, like if Johnny Juzang, who I really like, is a good player, but if he was that good, he wouldn't have stayed. Right. So, um, you know, they, the fundamental flaws, they have only one true ball handler. Um, you know, they added the Johnson kid from Rutgers who's from Long Beach. So he comes back home. He's a tremendous shot blocker, but they have to play completely differently with him in the game than they played, you know, without having that type of shot blocker. Plus he's not really an offensive player. So no, I'm, I'm reasonable. I, I, I think there's still going to be a team you don't want to play here over the next month, but it wasn't like they wowed anybody with throwing out, you know, 10 NBA players like they used to in the Herrick era. This is a really good team that needs some things to go right and needs guys to play well within their roles in order to be successful. They still can't be so. There's, th- th- these are two different things so that fans understand. Who, who would be your player of the year? And then if you were a general manager, who would be your number one Well, pick? we're backwards. Um, Jabari Smith would be my, would be my number one pick. Um, he's really good. He's really good. And, and I think, you know, obviously you have to take into account some of the upside. I also think, you know, in 2022 and beyond, like that's what they kind of look like. Now Chet's a hard one because there's some things he does, which are freaky. I just, he's 195 pounds. He's got small shoulders you know, narrow shoulders. Like, I just don't know what he is in the NBA. Like, do you, do you? No, no, because he's so light in the ass. And so it's not like, it's not like he's got these broad shoulders that he's going to walk into or, or develop right. into. He's, he's like this. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, so like, That's well, a big he's a deal. shot blocker, like, okay, but he can't play the five because those, they'll put him into the stanchion. Like they're, grown men like okay so he's a four well now if you're playing the four in in the nba you switch you almost always switch everything so and i know he's got great length but laterally like is he gonna guard anybody yeah i just don't know and then obviously as he puts on a size can he maintain any level of athleticism like okay that's what he looks like at 195 and we think okay at 220 well at 220 he'll be thicker but that's also you know 25 pounds of muscle that you have to move around. It changes your speed and athleticism. So I just, I don't know what that's like. And I love uh, Ben Caro, um, but he's a year older than Jabari. And physically, if you're, if you're going to play right now, he's obviously better. I just think Jabari has a lot more <laughs> upside. Dude, I got a dog fight going on in the background. It's amazing. Oh, I love it. Hey. <sighs> anyway, okay. So, who's the player of the year? Um, yeah. I would say to Shibway or Davis. I mean, Wisconsin, how about that team? Like, of all the teams that lost this weekend, Woo! they didn't. They go into Rutgers, and they, they beat their ass. Um, I mean, remember, like, the whole handshake thing, that was after they kicked Michigan's ass, right? Like, this team is kind of some ass kickers. Right. And like Johnny Davis is a bucket. Right. I'm not sure you don't. I, I don't think, you know, the Big Ten has the greatest talent in the world. But I think they all have every team seemingly has a big guy. Right. Which most conferences don't. And it's a very physical and older league, a really well coached league. And to put up the numbers 
forget about putting up the numbers in the non-conference, put up the numbers in that conference. Like I have a little bit more respect for that than I do, you know, some of these other leagues where they just kind of go up and down. Um, I, I would probably go Davis one and Shibway two in terms of my national player of the year. I tell you what, Sheboy, nobody was talking about him, even though – why was that? It seems like everybody talks about Kentucky guys, but early in the year he's putting these monster numbers, and I'm on this show going, wait a second, this dude is doing stuff that nobody does, and now finally, I, is Sheboy in it because of how good he's been or because others have dropped off or both? Um, I think it's because of how good he's been, and I think it's that – I mean, he's become an offensive player, you know, we, you know, but he, he wasn't an offensive player at West Virginia. He was, he was very, very limited. Right. And I, I think it's, I think, I think we want to give respect to the rebounding and the, 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 the dominance of the rebounding. I think people so badly who cover the sport want to pay attention to the little things more so than the big things, the ball going to the basket. But now he's backed it up with scoring, scoring a bunch of points as well. Um, I mean, now look, he's not throw it to the block and goes to Kim Olajuwon and, and score points. I mean, but the fact that he can score all of those points and you're not really running a play for him, I think it's pretty outstanding. And just the overall level of uh, – here's what you have to do. If Have you done a Kentucky uh, – have you been to a Kentucky game this year? No. Okay, so just watch, next time you watch. No. Watch when the shot goes up. Teams in the SEC are boxing him out with two guys. Literally, like two guys. Let's put two guys because the number one key is do not let him get the basketball on the on an offensive board. You get two like that's how physically dominant he is. He's like an Aaron Donald uh, to the college college game in that he's so physically dominant and he just finds he has a knack of finding the basketball. He gets some extra possessions. He scores on putbacks. He scores on rolls. But more than anything, just the the level of dominance at both ends, rebounding. And, and really solid defense. He's not like a shot blocker. He can block some shots. I think that's the part that people have started to pay attention to, but it's hard because it's not natural, not normal. Usually with the National College Player of the Year, we just pay attention to who's scoring the most, most points and how many wins their teams have, and we go, oh, that must be a great player. We pay no attention to defense and to rebounding and, and maybe a little bit to assists. But Chibwe, I think because of all the little things he does, he's earned the respect of the people that, that I feel like matter. And then the people that don't matter as much have now gotten on board as well. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. By the way, I'm, this is a side note. I'm watching the Lakers last night. They stink, <laughs> huh? How bad? Did you see Jeannie oh, Buss got up in the third quarter and left? Did, yeah. did she? I yeah. would have. Screw oh, this. God, how bad? They're oh. so bad. They're, they're bad. Wow. Why? What's happened here? Well... I think what happened is the same thing that happened. Um, was it three years ago where most of those guys are all in on LeBron start of the year. They're all in. And LeBron is a, can be a, a very, a dynamic leader. Um, but you can't fool NBA players. And when story gets out that he's upset that, they didn't trade away Russell Westbrook. They didn't trade away THT. They didn't do everything they could to save this season. Like, imagine, like, you're Russell Westbrook, and you're my guy. And you, we had a meeting, 
And that's why, because you, you know how this thing went down. They were going to trade for Buddy Heald. Okay, that was the organization's plan. And LeBron and Anthony Davis like, no, 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 hold on. We want to pick the third guy. And they like interviewed DeRozan. Um, and they end up selecting, they interviewed Russell Westbrook because that's their, he, their boys. And they're like, nah, here's the plan. We're going to get Russ. We're going to get Carmelo. And LeBron kind of convinced them, this is what I want. This is how it's going to work. So fast forward to now. And LeBron is Le- LeBron. Those guys are mad. I believe because they didn't pull off the Kyle Lowry trade last year. Like none of this happens in people in, in Laker players minds. None of this happens. If they, they trade for Kyle Lowry last year, they trade for Kyle Lowry. They avoid the, the, the Suns, and maybe Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt and they got a chance to compete for a title. That, that's how their brains work. So that's where LeBron is. And then the rest of those guys are like, he doesn't want me here. He doesn't think I'm any good, you know, and they're really not that good. I mean, DeAndre Jordan can't play basketball anymore. You got a bunch of young guys. Uh, Carmelo can't guard anybody. LeBron doesn't guard anybody. LeBron gets lost in rotations and Russell Westbrook is completely lost defensively. He's trying to police LeBron, but also I'm sure in the back of his mind, like LeBron preferred that they trade him for John wall. Like all those things are going on. And then I think they shut down on Frank as well. It's bad. I mean, that's, they were down 30 to the Pelicans. And remember the Pelicans, they don't have Zion. Like they got a bunch of their former guys. The, the Pelicans are being by 30 in their building. You can't say there's any uh, rest issues, right? Like they played the other night, but coming off the all-star break. But I think that's what I think the team has kind of quit on LeBron. And I think LeBron has gotten in this mode of, I'm just going to score, put up points, you know, do. And because at the end of the day, most people don't actually watch basketball. They just look up like, Oh, LeBron has 30. He must've played great. It's not his fault. It's everybody else's fault. Yeah. If you're sitting in an NBA locker room and the dude that's one of your teammates, and I know the NBA is different than anything I ever participated in. I get that. But one of your teammates, the leader of your team, is trying to get rid of your ass and has the power to do it? Man, that'd be tough, Doug. That'd be tough to sit there and go, hey, let's go out there and fight. Yay, go fight, win. Are well, not just, not just that, but like it, I, it, all, of your, all of your messaging rings hollow. Right. So if you say like, because, because what he said, what was leaked out in the all-star break, which is, and he even said like, Hey, wherever Bronny is, you know, that's where I want to be, which again, there's nothing wrong. I don't believe there's anything wrong with wanting that to happen. Okay. Now we can, we can have a bigger discussion if Bronny's good enough to even fulfill that, that promise, you know, but that's not the point, but the, the point is like when you're at the all-star game and your attention is on Bronny, you know, when your attention is on the GM, probably who the coach should be on a trade that wasn't made, like none of that messaging is, Hey, LeBron James, all he wants to do is get back into the lab, get this team, right. He thinks he can win a t- Like, no. And the reason that no one's saying that is no. because not only does he not feel that, but he's letting that out. So you are who your best player is, right? That's basketball 101. You are who your best player is. And though he's still at 37 years old, an amazingly talented player, and he works really hard his body, um, he's checked out on this team. He's given up on this team. And when you do that, your team gives up on you or gives up on the idea of winning. And it becomes 
like every minor league basketball team I ever played on where, yeah, you want to win the game, but at the end of the day, I got to get my numbers because that's all that really matters in my, my, for my next salary. Doug, I'm watching that game on a plane and the guy next to me goes, Hey Dan, would you live bet this game? I said, dude, this is this game will never get close. This game, if it went five more minutes, it might be fifty. This game was so bad. They were, they were two and, and a half point you're favorites. Right. What would they you, were two and a half point favorites? I know. I, I was. It, hey, a uh, couple other things. Ed Cooley wins the Big East. Great dude. Does Patrick Ewing survive? Was there an Ed Cooley question? Is he a great dude? He's an all-time great dude. Should be pointed out though that they avoided. Yeah. Uh, when UConn, they played at UConn, UConn didn't have their center. who's was really good. And they didn't play. There's three games that they didn't play that probably changed whether or not they win. That, that, that only matters not for the celebration. That matters for when people wake up on Selection Sunday and Providence is like a four seed. You're like, wait, they won the Big East and they're a four seed. Why? And there's your answer why. Because we don't really know. They're good. and right. We don't know if they're, they're great. But Ed is... I just find him to be like, that's, this is what it's supposed to be about. Like he's, he's, he's pretty hard on those guys, but he's this big lovable dude. Right. Um, he's from Providence. They saw the process all the way through. They had a couple of lean years. They stuck with it and, and they get rewarded. I mean, I think it's a, it's as good a story in college basketball as you're going to find, not just this year, but in the last 10 years. So I, people have to separate the how good are they because they didn't play those three games and the fact that the the basketball team and ed cooley and everything that they've created there is something pretty special and something to be uh to be warmly regarded as for patrick ewing like i don't i don't know how you don't pull the plug on that deal i understand they won the big east tournament last year but as we discussed like that's fool's gold it it's every year he has guys leave it just hasn't been a thing. Um, I think the biggest mistake he made was he didn't come back and play like Georgetown. Nobody plays like Georgetown used to play anymore. And, you know, I actually think he's a pretty good coach, a pretty good X and O coach, and he's pretty good with the guys. But he's had so many people transfer out that they just don't have the talent to compete. And there's no it to the program. right? There's no way, don't worry, next year they're going to be really good. Like, that. that's – what happens now with, with the transfer portal is when you're down, guys don't want to transfer in because you can promise them playing time. But one, everybody's promising them playing time. And then two, they look up like, oh, in 17, I, I can't do it. I just I can't do it. Um, I, I do think you can pull the plug now. I think you do the, you know, he wants to give him a different job at the university or whatever. I just, I get that Patrick Ewing was an all-time great and he's the connection to Georgetown in the past. But I mean, how much more do you need to see to because Maryland's going to hire somebody. I would assume they'll hire somebody good. Players already don't want to go to Georgetown over Maryland. The next coach at Maryland's going to get a practice facility. They're in the ACC. Like it just I, I don't I don't see it turning. And so you're just every year you're going to waste another year because it's Pat Ewing. Like at some point you got to pull the plug. And I think this is a pretty good point. You know, it is interesting, based on the way, to your point on how Georgetown used to play, uh, the, as, you, as you and I were talking earlier, Doug, the rules, the way the game is refereed, it allows Georgetown to do that if that's how they wanted to go play. Yes, but also to, to press, you know, like 
Uh, I mean, they used to. Yeah. Be physical on the ball, be tough yes. off the ball. They were, no, no they were junkyard dogs, man. They, they were physical. They were intimidating. They played harder. They played 94 feet. Like, they got after you. And that's not how they play now. Most teams don't play that way. Very few teams press to slow you down, not to speed you up now. Or they panic press at the end of the game, and they start like, I just, right. I, I do wonder why, why hasn't a, 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 why hasn't a John Thompson disciple and maybe he spent too much time in the NBA, but why you didn't go like, you know what, if we're going to go down, like let's go down and play Georgetown's way. Now he doesn't have the personnel to do that now, but he's had enough time to recruit to that personnel. And I'm surprised that he didn't, that that wasn't part of their package. That wasn't who they wanted to be, you know? Um, because I, I do think that would give you something different than the rest of the league. Otherwise he looks like the rest of the league, only just not as good, not as good a players, no on-campus facility, like all of the weaknesses of Georgetown get exposed because they're not, they're not that good. And now all of a sudden you can pick apart all the reasons why. Yeah, that's a great point. What do you, what do you got on the show today? What are you doing? But I just got up. Um, I mean, I think we're going to, we're waiting on Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> right? Um, uh, I, that's what I, we you, do. You know, it's funny. Here's one. How about the guy who just walked into his boss like Friday and is like, Hey, Monday, all of our company ordered masks show up on Monday. I'm looking over my stack of mine, like, because now everybody's, be, we're able to ditch the masks. Um, there's somebody out there who finally nailed it. Like, I finally got the design right. We ordered them. We had it backed up. Yeah. We had it backed up at the factory. They showed up. Monday, <laughs> we're selling the masks. And you're like, um, Johnny, can you come into the office today? So, so that part's, at least there's a bit somewhere in there. Um, and we're waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The LeBron James debacle. Like, this is a debacle. Like, this is the team that, that they, he created with his buddies. Right? Like, Carmelo's his boy. And Russell Westbrook was his boy. And Anthony Davis is his guy. And stop me if you heard this, but Anthony Davis got hurt again. Russell Westbrook can't play at that level. And Carmelo Anthony just wants to shoot threes. And, like, this is a going down with your buddy sort of thing. Like, that's probably topic two because you're still waiting on Rodgers that changes the whole league um and then a little bit of college hoops and the return to normalcy um I guess we'll talk baseball did you see uh did you see Kyler Murray no tell me just his agent put out arguably the most idiotic statement um even guys that'll defend players are saying this is the dumbest thing just take a read of it and Kyler Murray it's it's in third person from his agent about the greatness of Kyle Murray, the horse bleepness basically of what the Phoenix Cardinals are and how much he wants an extension. And it is a long, it is a long, it is a long statement from his dumbass agent that you will have a field day with today on your show. We absolutely want Book to be your long-term quarterback. He wants to win a Super Bowl, but he, he says something negative about the organization. It just talks about his greatness and lifting the organization, but he doesn't do it. It's in the third person. His agent released it. Kyler Murray, blah, 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 blah. And it is long, Doug. It is a, it is a total written page on Twitter. Like if you sat down on this legal pad and wrote yourself a letter or wrote a letter in the Doug Gottlieb third person, and then put it on Twitter. That's what this is. I'm telling you, it'll be a big part of your show because it's that ridiculous. He was so bad. 
He was so, so bad in that playoff game. So I, bad. I, and and I, I completely understand if you want to tell me that Cliff's offense couldn't adjust to what the Rams were doing. Like, okay. But some of it's just how you look. And he looked completely emotionally overwhelmed, you know? And so all of that falls from, you know, what, what, what does that say to you psychologically when an agent has to put that out, right? You have a guy who is right. fragile. Fragile. Kyler's got to be fragile. And you would think Kyler's five foot nine. He, he was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Like you would think that's the least fragile human being on earth. So yeah, I don't, you know, this is the problem. This is, what, this is what guys I, need these guys. Whereas, whereas what, what you want it, you, what you really want is you want Kyler Murray to go like, man, I was bad, but I'm going to next time I'm going to be better. And that's, what I'm going to spend my entire off season and I'll let my agent do the agent thing. And I'm going to do the football thing. But apparently there's some insecurity there. If, if you have to have your agent put out a page long pa- uh, paper, like if, and again, this is the, this is part of the deal. All of these guys talk about some narrative, like they control the narrative. None of this happens if Kyler Murray doesn't unfollow the, the Cardinals on Instagram and Twitter, right? If he doesn't do that, nobody's alerted to how unhappy Kyler Murray is. If you're unhappy with your job, Take it up with your boss, not with all of us. Like we're not powerless. You try to like win the room. That doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. Uh, it only says that you want to make a show of it, and it becomes nonsense. It really does. Like the quarterback is supposed to have the least amount of drama. You're supposed to be the most dependable, right? And we we have some of these guys that just are so starving for attention, and I think that's where Kyler is. Kyler is a hell of a player, and you can track their success with how healthy he's been and how healthy DeAndre Hopkins has been, yes. right? He played hurt going back to last year at the end of the year, but he was bad at the end of the season. As soon as they lost DeAndre Hopkins, he was bad. And then he was awful in the playoff game. The Cardinals, they're going to pick up his fifth year, you know, and I'm sure he wants a new deal, but I don't understand how this triggers them to, oh, now we're going to get a new deal now because your agent put out how great you are. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yes make any sense to me hey last thing what's gonna happen i'm gonna i got uh chris ballard the gm on with me he comes in studio for an hour what's gonna happen with carson wentz well i guess they're gonna give up on him but i'm not do they what my, my issue yeah. with the colts is you know i i could have told you that was gonna happen with philip rivers you know before it happened he just didn't have it's like they loved him here you know and, and but yeah. he just he yeah. just didn't have it Carson Wentz, there's a guy who's been really fragile mentally. I think some of the things that he's done, but some of the things that have been done to him didn't help. Um, I thought he was better than you did. I mean, I, you you kind of called that one a long time before it happened. I just, at some point in time, you got you to gotta stick with something for more than a year. And you'll have a little... You'll, I you'll, agree. And so I don't know what the plan is. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, or moves. I mean, everybody says they're just going to. All right, all right, hold on. What What's a possibility? Is Is Kyler Murray like what's a possibility? The dude went twenty seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. He missed a throw that everybody knew. But who's better? I I, that, I don't. That you that's, can it, realistically I, that's a great. Get? That's a great question for Chris. That's a great question. That That would be my take. Like, it is. Like, oh, it, look, this is yeah. year one in the yeah. rehab of Carson Wentz. Right. He had he had lost that kind of. He, he kind of lost it in his belief in himself. 
And, and yeah. you, you tie him to a coach who he truly believes in and believes in him. And this is year one. I would expect it to get better. It was not good at the end of the year. And they did not. I would also say that Chris sees it on a daily basis. So if he doesn't believe in the, in the guy, then we got to agree with him. He seems to know what he's doing. But what's better? I mean, I don't know. You got Jameis, you know, Rodgers. But, I mean, again, the, remember, the Packers have to want to trade Rodgers. You know? Right. The, the, the Seahawks have to want to trade Russell Wilson. You know? I'm not saying that those guys don't. Hey, hey. is Garoppolo an upgrade? No. I don't know. Guys love Jimmy G. Like, guys that play with Jimmy G love him. He's, he carries himself with some swagger and confidence, but the, the substance of it, like there's a reason San Francisco, when they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, he threw it eight times in the NFC championship game. Right. Like they, they had the Rams beat and he just, there's some throws that he just didn't make. Now you could say the same thing about Carson, but at least Carson has the sweat equity having been in the building. Um, is he an upgrade? Yes, except for he would be a downgrade because he's always hurt. Like, he, he, Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone knows what he is. Really good player. He'll, he'll throw two or three a game, which the other team can take to the house. If they catch him, they catch him. If they don't, he'll survive. And then, uh, and then he gets hurt all the time. Outside of that, he's really good. You know, Carson Wentz had been hurt all the time. <laughs> got, right. Not really hurt, but Carson Wentz misses on some throws. Carson Wentz's confidence can just leave him. I think that's his weakness is that he just his, his self-confidence, self-esteem just leaves him. So, like, what are your options? Like, Deshaun Watson, is that a real option? No, in the division and with all the nonsense, I don't think he's coming to Indy. So you, you, the pool's start, starting to shrink, you know? I don't think the Raiders are trading uh, Carr. I think he's going to get an extension there. Kyler Murray, yeah, but you have to totally change how you play because he's so little. So that one's a hard one. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I, I don't either. I'm looking forward to talking to Chris. Did you know? This, here, uh, here's one. You're the best, here's man. And I don't uh, know if he'll tell you this. Uh, so Matt Nagy's son and his son, they were together in Kansas City before. And Nagy, Nagy told me that he could have had the job, instead took the Chicago job. But it was because they were so close felt like it would ruin their relationship. I don't know if that's bull, but that was what Nagy told me a couple years ago. So, but their sons, I think were that's AAU teammates and, and really close, really close friends. Ballard has uh, no enemies in terms of the league that I'm aware of. Everybody thinks he's really good, does a good job. And um, I, I also wonder what they're going to look like without Everflus because everybody says he's the real deal on defense. What, what, what does that Colts defense look like with the change defense coordinator? He is not the real deal. We are very glad he's gone. He was not very good at all. I, we were so really? I am, like I'm I'm in I'm on oh I thought he was and and my wife grew up with him so I like him, but they 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 had six fourth quarter leads. The defense just gave up. They no 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 no. Here in the world that we live in, uh, I'm a little bit on an island because I don't think there's any better PR guy in the world than Chris Ballard. He's 42 and 42. And the NFL Network wrote that he's the best GM That's, in the league. It, and I'm it, sitting there going, are you crazy? It, it's amazing because, you know, the Bears guys would, 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 would tell you, 
some of the other guys in the Bears organization, like everybody loves Chris Ballard and the Colts and look at the, look at what we've done. It, it's the same, you know, we, we no actually have done the same and we're on no a different. What of a job. Yeah. Uh, Colts have one playoff appearance, have not won the weakest one. of. The, all right, I'll give you maybe the NFC East is the weakest yeah. division, but the AFC South is right there, brother. I mean, that thing's a train wreck. Haven't even won that thing. Uh, no, this is a, this is a uh, PR. Chris is great because he'll come in, and I told him, if you want to punch me, you can go ahead because I probably deserve it for what I've said about him. But, no, he is beloved. And he's 42 and 42, and he's got a mess. He's got no left tackle. He's got no wide receivers. He's got no quarterback. He's got no edge rush, even though he's drafted it. It's a train wreck. Get on the right side of the media, always. I, uh, I, 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 will, I will listen and wait with bated breath. I'm, I'm into it. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, You're the best, brother. Hey, I appreciate you getting up early for, for me, you man. anytime. Thank you. You're the best. That's the great Doug Gottlieb, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to him in the afternoons on Fox Sports Radio. He's the best. He's the best. Look, I tell you, there's only certain guys I'm listening to. Like, very few. Very few people I listen to about sports. He is one of them all the time. I will listen to Doug. All right, I got to get, we're going to take a break and come right back. I got some awards to give out. I got a lady who found her phone in the toilet 10 years after losing it. And I got some fades for you. We're going to win some money tonight. We'll be right back. Man, Doug Gottlieb is awesome. Uh, he is absolutely awesome. Wait a second. What's going on on ESPN right now? Ooh. I don't want to say it because it just makes me a smart ass. All right, I got some awards to give out. It is Monday. We do give awards out on Monday. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, oh, my God, hell of a job award does go to Ed Cooley and the Providence Flyers. When you go through the Big East, and you go through to what everybody has in the Big East, let me tell you something. Providence Flyers has enough. (coughs) Has enough. They have enough. But Ed Cooley has done a great job. Not a good job. A great job of navigating through all of the transfer portal, super seniors. He's got like eight guys that are all older, six-year, fifth-year. I mean, he got old guys. And we try to tell you, old guys win in college basketball. They just do. Old guys win. And frankly, Ed Cooley, I know he didn't play some of the teams, but you know what? They went on a gauntlet. They got off to a great start. They had a little lull. They continued on. I don't even know if you call it a lull. Ed Cooley, and he conducts himself in a manner that I always go this route, two things. Would I want my son to play for him, and would I follow him if I was a player? And the answer to both is absolutely yes with Ed Cooley, and it's not even close. I think he's great. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Come on! 
you got to be able to roll out of bed and get a win award. It's not an award. It's a, I don't know, whatever you make it, Jennifer. I don't know. I don't know what I'm making it. But I am saying this, Georgetown, you got to be able to roll out of bed and win a game. Like, true story, and I've told my listeners this all the time, I didn't get fired because I couldn't coach. I got fired because everybody got hurt. I coached as a head coach for 10 years at Bowling Green. Seven of them, I lost my two best players. Five of them, I lost my three best players. But, yeah, we won some games. I mean, hell, we're over 500. I mean, imagine trying to play college basketball without your three best players. I'm bringing football players in. I got dudes, little white wide receivers from freaking uh, Alaska. It ain't like I was bringing Jabril Peppers in at North Carolina. But Patrick, baby, I love you. I do. You've always been great to me whenever I was doing games for Georgetown. And honest to God, you got to be able to walk out of bed and get one win, don't you? One? Come on. Man, you got to fall out of bed and get a W. Apparently not. Apparently that's not what's going to happen. I don't know, man. Georgetown seems like they play hard. Georgetown, as Doug was saying, seems like they're organized. Seems like. But they can't get a win. Like they get down and then they play everybody tough and then they get their ass beat. But, man, you would think, you would think you could get one win. I know the league is hard. I do. I I know the league is very, very difficult. Hey, look, I get it. I do. But come on. You're telling me you can't in that league with, you know, you got DePaul in there. You got got all kind of teams that you got to be able to get one win. But you know I'm looking at it right now? They got none. Zero. Zip. Nada. All right. You want a story? I'll give you a story. Ten years ago, let me give you the date. Halloween night, 2012. That's ten years. A lady named Becky Beckman lost her cell phone. Couldn't find it. For ten years. Ten years she lost her cell phone. Couldn't find it. There was like a thumping every time they flushed the toilet. There was like this. If you can hear that. Like some kind of odd, like, I don't even know what you call it. But it, it continued. So Becky gets the what the hell award. She found her iPhone in her toilet because, quote, my husband just absolutely, what did she say here? Started plunging the living blank out of the toilet. So here's the deal. Listen to this. Ten years. She started hearing strained noises from inside the toilet. It was a banging sound, which was heard when they flushed. She initially blamed it on the toilet being old and the house construction being terrible. Her husband decided, I'm plunging. I'm getting after this. He comes back and says, you won't believe what I found. 
her cell phone. Now, the back of the phone was popped open, but the iPhone was in good condition considering it spent 10 long years in the toilet. Becky saying, honestly, this is so, so far from what I was expecting. Really? So those of you that can't find your iPhone, look in the toilet. I lost a wallet a while back. Can't find it. I'm going to go start plunging the living shit out of my toilet and hope that it pops up somehow. Becky, you go, girl. But I don't even know why this is a story of Becky. This story is about the husband. This story is about a man that ain't afraid to go plunge, boom, boom, and he's like, hey, look. But her husband became agitated. This is what she said. So he eventually decided he would plunge the F out of it. Starts with F, ends in K, and it ain't fire truck, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you imagine all of a sudden, what? All of a sudden, boom, here comes your iPhone. I ain't mad at it. Uh, Phil Mickelson. The hits just keep on coming for Phil Mickelson. Like, I, I get it. All right? Phil Mickelson's greedy. I get it. Phil Mickelson uh, misspoke. I get it. I, I, I don't even know if he misspoke. I think Phil Mickelson kind of did what a lot of people do, myself included. We kind of think... Um, we kind of think that we're smarter than we are and we can say whatever. And then all of a sudden somebody takes it and runs with it. I mean, people act like Phil Mickelson killed somebody. I mean, I'm not defending the guy, but man, now all of a sudden we've got, well, this tour event is canceling him. These Somebody put on Twitter, who did Phil kill again? Why is it? I don't, I don't really get this. I don't understand. Why aren't we all critical of Greg Norman? Like, isn't Greg Norman getting a 30 for 30? Isn't Greg Norman the guy that is funding the Saudis? Why are we so mad at Mickelson, but we seem to just enjoy the NBA guys that are supporting a regime in China that is anything but favorable to human rights? Horrible to, horrible to its own people. But yet we don't, we're not that mad at anybody. But man, we can't wait to crush Mickelson. I get it. Mickelson took a swing, apparently. I mean, it, I'm reading a story here. And I read Mark Schlebaugh and Tom Van Aaron's story, and it's fascinating, but it basically is Phil Mickelson decided that he was going to stage a coup. And the truth of the matter is, and man, our guys on the PGA Tour hiding. I got a great friend that knows everything about it. He's right in the middle of it. He's like, Dan, there are like 20 guys that said, yeah, we're in on this tour, and now they are scrambling like hell. And here's the reason guys were doing it. The reason the guys were doing this on the PGA Tour and going over to this other tour was this. You're talking about, I think Mickelson lost $200 million in the deal with this whole deal. That's what I heard. It certainly isn't, it, it is not less than $100 million, and it may not be more than $2 million. It may be in between there. But a lot of guys that are good players were going to get a guaranteed $40 million. This isn't like Malcolm Brogdon in the NBA who gets $30 million to get hurt six times in a year. These are the last Cowboys, really. PGA golfer miss a putt late. It costs him $15,000, $20,000. So these guys, I get it. Mickelson failed a coup, but did he kill somebody? 
I mean, what, what did the dude really do? Yes, he said obnoxious greed. Yes, he said basically, hey, I know these guys are awful, but let's be honest, uh, we need to change the way the world is done. And now he's just crushed. I get it. I'm not defending him, but I am sitting back and watching, man. So now another thing is, I, hey, if you're a sponsor, Mickelson, and you don't want him, get him the hell off your, get him off of it. Get him off. Get him off. If you're a PGA Tour, I, I love what the PGA Tour did here. PGA Tour said, hey, players, F you. You go over there. You ain't a part of us. I like that. Never play defense. Position of strength. I love it. And it ain't going to stop because Mickelson was dumb enough to apologize. You don't apologize because it just keeps getting piled on you. Apology does not work. Not when you're Mickelson. So now, you know, all right, Rolex and Callaway, Mizzen and Maine. Uh, we'll see what happens. Now, Tour Event has cut ties with him. All right. I mean, it's a bad week for Mickelson. But somebody asked me, somebody I respect, what did the dude do? Kill some? What did he do? Other than act like an idiot and say words that were stupid. And he tried a coup, and the coup didn't work. That's what he, you know, that's what he tried to do. He tried to make a coup on the league, and the league said, hey, you. And then this guy, a reporter, look, people, reporters are not your friends. You go in there, and you think you're off the record, and I think that's bullshit. I think that Mickelson knew he was on the record. I think he's just saying that. But don't think for a second a reporter is your friend. A reporter can't wait. That's why I say to everybody that does an interview, put your damn cell phone right there and record the interview. Put your own video guy right there and record your interview. I'm not blaming the guy. I'm not blaming the guy at all. He did what he had to do. But I'm just telling you, don't think for a second any of these slaps are your friend. They will screw you today, tomorrow, and the next day for a piece of damn cheese. And if you don't believe me, you don't know your ass from third base. Period. Oh, man. We got a toilet. We got a phone out of the toilet. We got why? Why is it that all these NBA guys they're okay? China good apparently for NBA guys. You can't say anything about that. Look at this clown. This freaking Jeff Passan. Jesus, I got to turn the channel. That idiot. My God. Anyway, all right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, fades. Man, did I have a good weekend? Uh, this is against my better judgment. I am turning the channel. That guy's a clown. Uh, against my better judgment, okay? Against my better judgment, I'm going to take the Indiana Pacers to win this game. Why, you ask? I'll tell you why. I'd rather watch HGTV than Jeff frickin' Passan. Jeff Passan. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, they played last night. Pacers, maybe, maybe, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they have some sack now. Maybe they can play two days in a row. They're playing a horse bleep team. I'm going to take the one tonight. I think Orlando stinks. Pacers have been pretty good against bad teams. I'm going to take them. Norfolk State, I got no idea. All I know is I listened to whatever that guy is, Dylan, Dalerin, Darren Cuff, or whatever his name is one time, and he talked about Norfolk State. I watched them. They lost. I'm taking them tonight against North, uh, North Central. I don't even know why, but I'm taking them. And then UNC against Syracuse. Let's be honest. 
let's be honest. UNC, they need a win bad. Syracuse looked terrible the other day. And I think Syracuse will play better, but I don't think they'll come within 10 at North Carolina. That game right there, Syracuse is my lock. Everybody, I got to tell you, what a great day. I love this show. I love being on this show. I love having this show. Dylan and Ryan, thank you so much for everything. I mean everything. Today is a good day. If you want to catch more of this genius, then here's what you do. You go to 1075thefan.com and you can do it. Why am I wearing Harvard? Because my stepdaughter hit two home runs. Harvard went three and two over the weekend. She battled a cool 500. Go crimp. I should be wearing my Elon shirt because Elon kicked the living hell out of the number two team in this CAA, Drexel. Drexel had beat them by 30 last week. They went on the road to Drexel, no, Hofstra, and beat the shit out of them. And then they backed it up and they went and beat Northeastern. Tomorrow I'll have my Elon gear on. Have a great day, everybody. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs>